I always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the wide stance, taking the club back way inside, releasing the club. One of the greatest ball strikers I'd ever seen. Now Ballesteros. With a putt that could win him the 113th British Open. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the McKellar Golf Podcast, otherwise known as Morning Drive. My name is Lon Stonigan. And before I introduce you to my co-host and guest this week, uh, I need to do a bit of selling, my inner Willie Loman. The latest issue of McKellar, issue number three, is currently available at mckellarmagazine.com. All sorts of wonderful golf writing uh, in it. Uh, world-class golf writing, I like to see on Twitter. Um, we have, who do we have? We have Mr. Jeff Shackelford, we have Mr. Mike Clayton, we have Mr. Lorne Rubenstein, we have Mr. Anthony Piopi, who's done a fantastic piece, by the way, I don't think I mentioned this, about the fake histories of golf clubs. So you'll wander up to a golf club in somewhere in Florida and they'll be proud to tell you it's a Seth Rayner or a, or a Donald Ross and lo and behold, it turns out that Donald Ross uh, never was near the property, he maybe went, drove past it or took the train past it and the members now call it a Donald Ross. Anyway, a great piece by uh, Tony. Uh, McKellarmagazine.com. If you go there, you can buy issue three or you can buy the full McKellar issues one, two and three. Very popular option. You can also buy a very uh, designed by Calvin Klein in collaboration with me. Um, the McKellar uh, Golf Magazine t-shirts. Uh, really, really nice. Uh, McKellarmagazine.com. Thanks very much. Uh, Huggy, John Huggin, how are you doing, pal? I'm very well, Lawrence. Nice to be back here in sunny Scotland. Uh, what's been happening? You've been out golfing? Of course you haven't. No, not yet. But I uh, fully intend to sometime in, in this next decade. Uh, there you go. Uh, it's funny, Huggy. I, I just, I, we might have talked about this before. I cannot, for a man who loves golf so much like me, that you don't play golf. I, I don't understand. What's wrong? Well... I felt two years ago I played eighteen holes that year, and I felt that was I was a bit over golfed, so I only played nine last year. So anyway, from zero at the moment this year. uh, Okay, from somebody who loves golf but doesn't play to somebody else who loves golf and plays all the time. uh, Our guest this week, Meg McLaren. How you doing, Meg? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, You are um, in South Africa. Uh, the West Lake Golf Club, um, it says here, uh, the Investec South African Women's Open starts on Thursday. Uh, should, as my brother would say, should I lump on? <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed to give information like that out, am I? I don't know. The PGA Tour is going to be given all sorts. Actually, we were talking about that last week, Meg. What, what do you think? Uh, gambling and golf, it's going to explode, uh, certainly on the PGA Tour. Yeah, well, when you look at other sports, it kind of seems like it's inevitable, really. I mean, I'm not sure I agree with it, but, I mean, you can't listen to a football match on the radio without getting gambling ads hammered at you, so it's where the money is, unfortunately. The uh, But can you imagine, uh, the, people are be able to bet, or, you know, Rory's got a 205-yard six-iron in uh, the 18th at Bay Hill. People will be betting on whether he can, or will have the ability to bet on whether he'll make a birdie, or whether he'll hit the green. I mean, it's... I've got quite, I don't know if I should share this, but I've got quite a funny story about, because they used to do in-play betting in the tournaments. So I've got a friend who's caddy um, 
they were in they were playing the British Open and the first round one player's you know beaten the other player by however many shots and then the next round so they're still playing together they're both going along fine and then suddenly one of the girls makes a double or a triple or a, or something like that and their caddy completely loses the plot so at the end of the round she's like what on earth happened and turns out he'd bet on her to beat the other player in in the round so i think that was the end of their caddy player relationship I remember when I when I was caddying. Uh, actually, Meg, if you're ever really, uh, if you're re- ever really at rock bottom, uh, no, well, I mean there was, a, I mean, was a, there was a lot, <laughs> no, there was a lot of uh, betting between caddies. You know, just but not it wasn't um, it wasn't facilitated by bookmakers. But it is going to be a, an interesting world. There was a Supreme Court decision in the states last year, basically legalizing uh, sports gambling. Um, right across the country, uh, and again, I think uh, I think the PG Tour has already announced gambling partnerships. Uh, it'll be pretty. Uh, it'll be it'll be something else when it kicks in. Here, um, Meg, uh, I was looking at your Instagram feed. Uh, you posted a video of your swing. Um, this is the cause of all my pain, and I was thinking. Uh, <laughs> I thought, hey, it was funny. What's uh, How's things going this year for you? I think you you played a couple of events. Uh, I saw you were twentieth on the LET money list. I mean, are we happy? Where are we? Are you are you in pain or was that just a? <laughs> I think I'm always in pain when it comes to golf. But um, it's no, yeah, it's been been a bit up and down so far. I was out. I played the first two LPGA events in Australia, but missed the cut in both of them. And then the two LET events after that, I kind of came mid 20s in both of them so it's it's not quite what i would have wanted but it's you know it's early days in the season and you kind of you take the things that you can and you kind of figure out what needs to get better but you always want to start the season strong as well so it's a little bit you know a little bit up and down but glad to be playing when does it uh when does the panic kick in for people At any time, anywhere, any place. Really? Um, well, I I think it varies by person, doesn't it? It depends. It depends how much emphasis you put on scores, and it depends if you've got a plan in place and what your whole what your whole process is. Like for me, I could have panicked after those first two events when I've missed the cut, but you've got to kind of look deeper than that because otherwise you're gonna, you know, you are gonna lose the plot every time something goes wrong. Um, but I've always been quite big into stats as well, so that's kind of one thing that can keep you keep you grounded. But it's it's hard; you can get caught up in results quite easily, and you know that's what it's about at the end of the day. So it's it's hard if you're not making money. The um, what are your what are your favourite stats? Well, what are the most when I say favourite, most comforting stats? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I suppose the, the, the biggest one's the score, isn't it? But um, there's you can't hide from that, whatever I've just said. Um, but I think the ones that I always look at tend to be my putting ones because that kind of gives a good indication of, of maybe what your score could have been versus what it was. Or, you know, if you've if you've got away with a bad or a not, not really good enough kind of long game round from your putting. Um so a mixture of that and then my ball striking has been something that I've worked quite hard on the last couple of years. So that's something I pay a bit more attention to. So whether it's my proximity to the hole or kind of the percentage of approaches that I've hit on the green, that kind of stuff. 
the um, my little guy who's a pretty keen golfer came running come and look at this and it was a video of you in a living room or something I don't know or a hotel room <laughs> with a <laughs> I know where this is going. I've got more to add to this as well. The, uh, well, he was pitching it as, uh, look, she uses this particular putting mat. I can't even remember. Why can't? Because he's been banging on it. We're getting a new putting mat for his bedroom or whatever. <laughs> so I can believe, I'm thinking, looking at that, I'm thinking, professional golf, is that professional golfers do that then? They're, they're at home with their putting mats. And what's that little device called? It's everywhere now. That uh, uh, The, the, the putt out. The putt out, that's what it is. It was a Yeah. Is that I mean is that yes. what, I was gonna say, is that what you're no that. I was gonna say I was gonna say is that what you're reduced to, but I guess that I mean that, <laughs> I mean that's a it's a bad way of putting it, but, but you I mean it's it's amazing. I mean it's quite it was quite, to me it was a bit of an insight. To him it was an opportunity yeah. for 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 getting <laughs> us to spend some money. Yeah, well it's getting me into trouble because the, the putt out itself you'd be amazed how many professional golfers have those I think or just some kind of putting mat especially you know if you're stuck inside over winter um it's a good way to work on the mechanics but I've got I've got like two balance pads you know yeah. like the kind of inflatable ones so whenever you know it helps me work on my stability and stuff so I tend to do just swings inside on those quite uh -huh. often at tournaments but I already, I posted a video on Twitter a while ago where I was doing it in a hotel room and I like didn't judge my distance correctly. So I banged my club into the wall behind me. So I thought that was as bad as it got and like nothing broke, so it was fine. And then in Australia, literally a couple of weeks ago, I'm staying in an Airbnb. So I put my, put my discs out, get my club out, don't even look, just swing. And there's this massive smash and then there's glass everywhere. So there was like a an overhanging lamp that I just hadn't even looked at and you know next day I'm getting the hoover out and I'm spending an hour trying to hoover up all the bits of glass on the carpet yeah I'm not buying a huggy a professional golfer Megan Clarn in room trashing fiasco <laughs> that's, that's front page of the sun stuff that um so so that basically i guess if you're home that's i mean that's what you kind of got to do i mean you're indoors on a putting mat it's it just seems you know you think of professional golf but i guess i mean these are the kind of realities sometimes i mean you can't jet off to your your nice swish pad in in florida or whatever or maybe you do have a swish pad in florida i don't i know you want, I, <laughs> no. I know, I, I if i did i wouldn't be smashing lamps in airbnbs yeah here, um, so South Africa uh, this week. Uh, when did you get down there? Uh, on Sunday, I think it was. I'm still a bit because I got back from Australia on I don't know maybe the Tuesday morning, and then flew out on the Saturday night to South Africa. So I'm still a bit. That's quite a lot of long flights in a short space of time. Yeah, it, it, it kind of really is. Uh, what do you do on the caddy front, Meg? Do you do you pick up locals or do you uh, do you have a, a kind of full time? Most of the time I pick up locals, yeah. There's been, there's sort of one American guy that I've had in some of the bigger events that I've played, but because he's based in the States, it's quite difficult to kind of jet him off over to Europe every week. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I think it's different for everybody, but I kind of prefer doing things myself when it comes to working out yardages and, and working out what shot I want to hit. I'm kind of quite comfortable making my own decisions whereas some people might lean a bit heavily more heavily on on somebody but energy wise it takes its toll if you're trying to pull your own trolley so 
Um, that still happens in professional golf. Yeah, well, well I, I'm available if needed uh, in the months. <laughs> just let me know. Here, uh, actually, Meg, I, this will get uh, Huggy caddy for uh, Catriona Matthew last year, and it was her best performance of the year, Huggy, wasn't it? Did you say it that? It certainly was. As I, I've only brought that up a couple of times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, silence from Meg. Here, Meg, I suppose I should uh, just brief, briefly touch on it. Uh, after you win the South African Open on Sunday, you'll be heading back home, I guess, uh, or maybe to Florida to buy a new pad. Uh, uh, <laughs> next week is the, uh, let me get this right, uh, the um, uh, Aramico or something, uh, Saudi Ladies International presented by the uh, Public Investment Fund. I get, you didn't make a big deal of it, but I mean, it was noted that you put a little statement, I think you were asked to do it, I don't think you were seeking any uh, attention, that you're not going to Saudi, uh, well, A, well, f from our perspective, from my perspective, well done. Um, I was interested, though, what, did, did you get any kind of pushback, any feedback, or have people been said anything to you? I mean, not specifically from the tour, but I mean, I just wonder if there's anything in the locker room, that kind of stuff. Not really, no. I think all the players kind of respect that you're capable of making your own decisions. And, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't really want to make a big deal out of it because I can understand 100% why so many players would choose to go. And I don't think it would be right to kind of criticise everybody when, you know, it's the chance to earn money at the end of the day. But kind of based on what I believe in and what, you know, what I'm seeing as doing and saying and, and backing up those things that I say, I kind of didn't feel it was right for me to go. Um, but people have been, you know, to be honest, it hasn't been talked about that much. It's more the, the media who kind of want to find out a bit more behind it. But I understand that as well. I'm looking the price. I mean, it's well, the price fund next week is five times what it, I mean, they're, they're taking this sport. <laughs> they're taking this sports washing pretty seriously, aren't they? I suppose if you're going to do it, you might as well do it properly. Uh, it's an astonishing uh, amount of money. What will you do next week, then? Uh, I will come home and then I'm heading, I am actually heading out to the States. Um, there's a couple of Symmetra events that I'm going to go and do and one LPJ Monday qualifier. Well, uh, um, because we've... Go on. So we've, we've got a bit of a gap after Saudi on, on our schedule, so I'm not missing anything after that. Uh, I I'm hesitate to ask this, Huggy. Where are the what Symmetra events are you doing, mate? mate? You're not doing the one on the West Coast, are you? That Leona Maguire won last year. Yeah, I'm worried about where <laughs> where this is going to go now. No, no, yeah, there's two on the West Coast. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> oh, we'll definitely come and see you. You'll be playing the Windsor, the one at Windsor, I think. You must be playing the one. Is it yeah. Windsor? Yeah. Yeah, and there's one the Iowa Invitational, and then the Windsor. One after that. There you go. Huggy, this is my big chance. Don't do it, You're going to volunteer your caddying services right here on, I, on, on I, I would, the podcast. I'd, I'd certainly do it for you, Meg, but I mean, you'd have to. I, I'm not sure you'd, but you would. Actually, I know that golf course very well. I must tell you that. i tell you why, because the, the wee man is playing an AGGA event there. Or he's entered okay. one. So we it's only it's about half an hour from our house, so we go and play it. It's quite a quirky little course. It's a great course. You know who owns a, sorry, no everybody have turned off by now. I think David Duval played a Nike tour event there years ago and I think he shot sixty. Uh it's a quite a quirky little course, but it's fun. Anyway, that's great. Uh 
So well, you'll certainly have a couple of supporters there, but you might even have three if I can persuade Maggie to come. Um, so, um, so back home and then out to the states. Well, Leona Maguire won that event last year. Uh, Meg, have you have you played much golf with her? Yeah, me and Leona are pretty good friends actually. Um, we sort of we crossed over a bit in the amateur stuff and went to college at the same time. So she's a she was actually I I said this to Huggy actually when we were in Australia. I like her or I respect her a lot because she was one of the first players I came across who had got to that level without having like a, a massive ego that came before it. You know, like I'm sure she's got some kind of ego, but in comparison to to a lot of the other players who had reached that kind of level, it was quite refreshing to see somebody who didn't didn't have to do all the talking before the playing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, she uh, and I think her and her sister went to Duke. And I think Lisa was a better player when they, when they started off. I think when they went to the States, I think. Was Lisa a better player? I think she was. They were both, maybe marginally, yeah, but they'd both, they'd both cleaned up a lot of the amateur stuff. Yeah. Did you play um, uh, Curtis Cup with either of them? I don't know if Lisa made the Curtis yeah, Cup. Yeah, I played, I played Curtis Cup with the owner in 2016, it was. Um, and Bronte Law was in that team as well. Wow. And a few other girls. Uh, is that what the ambition is, Meg? To, you know, to kind of take that route, do what Leona's done, do what Bronte's done. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the ambition is like to be the best player you can be. So, <clears throat> wherever the wherever the best chance of doing that is, then then that's where you want to be. So, at the moment, the best players in the world are in America. So, that's where I want to test myself at the end of the day. But I have to say, I do. I enjoy playing on the LET a hell of a lot more than than I would have guessed whenever I first turned pro. Well, I'm looking here at the, the tour shit. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, South Africa, France, Spain, Belgium, Morocco, Sweden, Netherlands, Spain. I, I mean, that's, you know, what are you, 23, 24 years old, living the dream, traveling the world? I mean, pff, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you know how lucky you are, but that is, uh, that's a pretty sweet life, isn't it? To some degree, it's sure. Yeah, I mean, it should be sitting in an office nine to five, just oh kind of living for the weekends, doesn't it? Have you ever had a, a like a quotes and quotes real job? Um, I'm not sure I'd call them real jobs, but I worked worked in a gym for a bit whenever I was like 16, 17, and then whenever I was in college, I did a bit of. They had like a writing center there, uh-huh. so I just did a bit of sort of tutoring, but I wouldn't really classify any of that as as real job. No. You haven't, uh, you haven't laid bricks, or you haven't mixed cement on a building <laughs> site like me. Uh, here, nobody's you, trusted me to do that. No. Uh, the uh, you bring up your writing uh, again. I don't know how to say it without really blowing smoke up your backside, but uh, your blog. I guess you and Eddie Pepperell set the standards for for uh, for professional golf. I say for golf blogs. Uh, can you just talk to a little bit about your writing, you know, wh- where it comes from, uh, in the sense that, you know, have you always written? Did you keep a journal when you were younger? I mean, it is. I mean, I, I just, I was reading some of the stuff this morning, Meg. I, I mean, it is astonishing. Uh, the idea of, you know, certainly, well, Huggy and I are professional journalists, but they, I don't know what Huggy was like, but the age of 23, 24, not even a chance of coming close to writing with that level of... Uh, sophistication and maturity i mean 
uh, uh, do you come from a long line of uh, from a long line of writers? Not really, and thank you. Um, I, to be honest, like I've been asked this question so much over the past like year or so, and I still I still don't really know where it comes from. Like both my parents are, you know, they're very articulate and they're very intelligent, but uh, they would steady. Hang on, I know your dad. Your dad's <laughs> That's Give me a break. Well, he'll he'll definitely be one of your listeners, so I need to be careful. <laughs> um, but no, like, I didn't. I didn't write much whenever I was a kid. Like I, I read a lot, so I assume that's where some of it comes from. And then I, I always had like a vague interest in in English and reading and writing. So that's that's the only reason I took it in college. Um, and then and I think it was just. I was having to write all the time because of what my degree was kind of asking of me. And I think I just got used to having to kind of translate my thoughts into words on paper. Um, I guess like like most things, the more you do it, hopefully the better you get at it. Although that seems to be easier with writing than with golf. Um, but I don't know, just now it's become kind of an outlet for me, you know, all the things that I think about and golf gives me a lot of things to think about it just it kind of makes sense for me to try and figure it out through writing i and the, in terms of uh, response from peers i'm i'm sure the let must absolutely they must absolutely love it i i, I don't know i hope so um oh. i get more i get more response from kind of people on social media than players themselves but even that I've had, you know, players kind of respond to it and and tell me they kind of feel the same, appreciate it and stuff, which I think in the beginning was part of the reason that I carried on doing it because you never know when you put stuff like that out there if, you know, if people, A, if people even read it, never mind anything else. Um, so kind of just having that little bit of feedback and validation, it kind of makes you want to keep going and I'm glad I have. Um. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I was laughing. Uh, well, not laughing. It was a you know. The, I think the last one, or maybe the one before, about the uh, you know just the three dimensional nature of of, of professional athletes. And uh, you, you know, and the, the, you know the way the world looks at professional athletes is kind of almost two dimensional. And you know, I thought it was just. And you were. You, you, I think you were trying to say that i mean i'm not putting words in your mouth but that you know we kind of have to kind of understand the three-dimensional nature of uh of of professional athletes of public figures that are, I, I mean uh, fantastic well, can i chip in here i think that that, that as well as meg writes it's what the, the best part of it for me is is the honesty of it is the is knowing or finding out exactly what's going through a professional golfer's head at any one time because it just contrasts with the as you say the even one-dimensional stuff that gets trotted out on a routine basis by the vast majority of players I mean the the descent into cliche is you know rampant so that that's the best part of what Meg does for me is that she takes us inside her head with with the honesty that she does that that's to me is far more interesting than the vast majority of the guff that we listen to most of the time. Yeah, Meg, can I, you tweeted about you having your period uh, the other day. I, I mean, see, did you... I, I, well, I don't know, but you, I, 
when you were t- typing that up on your phone or whatever, and, and you're about to press send, did you think, mm, or, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, not really, no. I mean, it's funny, like, the some of the blowback that I've had on other stuff, I, like, it didn't even... It didn't even cross my mind that I might get some <laughs> some criticism back for that. Like, but I I wasn't going to tweet anything about it. And then I was talking to some of the other girls that night because we were staying in the we we're staying in a house with like five of us. So they you know they were all like sympathetic and like you know that's what we all have to deal with every so often. And they're like, you should tweet something about that because nobody talks about it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just felt like I was kind of looking for sympathy a bit if I did that. But I kind of, whenever they put it like that and said, you know, this is stuff that every single one of us has to go through, it's uh, it kind of made me think a little bit, which is kind of, I got quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of feedback on that one, which was interesting. Uh, the, um, uh, no, it's, uh, again, you're, I think you're right, Huggy. You know, so, and more and more the kind of detachment between, you know, as as golf fans and and the kind of circuit. I, I, I mean, there's, you know, I'm sure Ricky Fowler's a great guy, but I know absolutely nothing about, you know, Ricky Fowler's hinterland. I mean, I don't. Does he read? But well, I, I've, well he, he's he's a perfect example, Lawrence. I mean, he's a, he seems like an incredibly nice human being. I mean, he he does a lot of you know nice things. You see about them all the time, but he's got nothing to say. I mean, I've been in interview session with him and. There's just nothing there, or he chooses to to give nothing. I mean that, and that he's the perfect example of what I'm talking about. There, there is, there's just nothing to 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 get your teeth into with him. Well, actually, I, I don't want to contradict you, Huggy, but if you go back four or five years, six years or whatever, and you look at Ricky Fowler's uh, Twitter feed, he's basically a, a raving right winger. I mean, he, he, I mean, he's... Well, well, maybe that's been. Coached out of him oh, in some ways, yeah. Well, I'm aware of that, but it, it, it actually has. I mean, it's been coached out of him, and, and I guess it's worked for him in a, in a commercial sense. Yeah, I'm guessing, Meg. No, nobody's telling you. Thinking, Meg, you know what? It might not be the best for the McLaren brand for you to be uh, <laughs> tweeting about your period. Maybe, maybe kind of. <laughs> but you know, as you progress up, you know, up the world rankings, and hopefully win a few majors, etc., etc. You know, I, I wonder if there'll be somebody in your ear. Yeah, well, that's, that's definitely something I've like thought about a lot because don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd love to have sponsors coming out of my ears. You know, it'd make my yeah. life a lot easier. But kind of the further along this stuff has got for me, like in terms of writing my blog and being kind of a bit more honest and open about what goes on day in, day out, I think the more the more I want to keep myself like that, and like I'm perfectly aware, if I had, if I had different sponsors all lined up, they probably wouldn't want that kind of as the image to be associated with. But that kind of bothers me as much as anything else. Like, why should why should you have to fall in line with the PR machine, you know, and pretend that you don't feel the things that you feel or that you're not, you know, that you're not lying in bed for four hours, like in ridiculous pain, wondering if you're going to be able to play that afternoon. Like these are the things that actually happen. And I feel like as golf fans, it would actually make you appreciate the golf that's produced more if you understand what's going on in a person's head, you know, every so often. Yeah, that, that's a really good point because as Lawrence and I all testify, we're probably two of the most extreme examples 
professional golf or the world of professional golf to a large extent doesn't want honesty. It wants, you know, cheerleading and happy clappy. Isn't life, isn't this wonderful? Everything's great, especially, that's especially noticeable on the PJ Tour in America because with the kerfuffle with uh, Peter Costas and some of the things that he's had to say since he left CBS, I mean, there was obviously pressure on him while he was with CBS not to say certain things or not to express opinions that he's held from, I mean, I've known Peter a long time and I know what he thinks about a lot of things and he wasn't able to say those things on television which would have been far more interesting than the things he was asked to say. I mean, that that's the world we live in, unfortunately. The, um, the I was going to say, I, was, I just wonder what, well, we're not there yet, Meg, but, but you know, you're going to have to make that decision at some point, aren't you? Uh, it's going to be you know, a bit of a crossroads. If you want. I suppose, yeah. I mean, that's a little bit the decision with Saudi as well I suppose you know if it was I'd like to think I'd always make the same decision but if it was a couple of years ago and nobody knew who I was and you know and I hadn't been outspoken on certain things I probably wouldn't see it as much more than you know the tour is taking us there so I might not like it but I'm here to play golf the end you know there's going to be because of the fact that I've put myself out there a little bit and you know, the more I do that, I think the more I believe in the things that I do speak about and stand up for, and the more I want to make sure I'm consistent on that, you know, because that is the moment you become inconsistent, you lose all your credibility, you know, so people won't be interested in what you have to say or won't, you know, won't hold any of your opinions. So I kind of I'm okay with the fact that I have to make difficult decisions every now and again if it means that I'm kind of being true to what I believe in without wanting to sound completely like, you know, there's still going to be things that, that you know, that I make mistakes and that I don't think are the right thing to do. But I think all you can do is is do what you think is the best in the moment, I guess. The um, Speaking as a, with my golf agent hat on, which I don't possess one, but again, the, the greatest thing for any brand is authenticity. So maybe it'll, it'll work you know, you might not get a player like you or an athlete like you might not get, you know, the most, you know, KPMG or whatever, these kind of cookie cutter mainstream corporate America. But there are enough, you know, I hate this phrase, woke, woke brands around, <laughs> you know, but, you know, and ultimately authenticity counts. So it might, it might work for you in that way. So I, I guess some people might look at Meg McLaren and go, oh, she, she might have to kind of tone it down a little bit. But on the other hand, there be, might be enough people around to say, well, you, we actually kind of like that level of uh, authenticity. Uh, if we put uh, Meg McLaren as our brand ambassador, we know that there's a, a, there's a com- community of golfers who, who, would, who would like to be associated with that kind of brand. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this is probably, we're getting... I'll to- let you know in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Here, uh, Meg, uh, we'll... Uh, I want to just jump on every week. We just kind of, I mean, you're a golf fan like the rest of us. Uh, we kind of just discuss, uh, do you watch a lot of golf on TV actually? I do probably more than you'd expect. I think I'm, I'm more addicted to golf than people realize. Um, so what, what we think, what are we talking about? We're just talking about the PGA tour. Or are we talking, you know, uh, online like I'm today I'll be I'll be spending a couple of hours online watching some college event from Bandon Dunes. 
<laughs> no, maybe, maybe not quite that deep in, but I watch like whatever's on TV, basically I'll watch. I might not go out of my way to watch, you know, to watch certain things, but if it's on then I'll watch it because I like, I like watching how it unfolds. And I think especially, you know, the first couple of days, the stories build up and then you want to see, you know, what X player does whenever something happens to them or kind of whenever you know players backstories as well I think it makes it it makes it more engaging for me anyway here do you follow that Monday Q info guy uh yeah it's phenomenal it's incredible the stories it's unbelievable it's it's brilliant it's especially on the I suppose because there's more levels in the men's game in terms of tours and stuff it's it's incredible like reading that stuff whenever you some tour that you've never heard of yeah you know the winning scores thirty under par or whatever it might be. The the one I love. Uh, do you follow this guy Huggy? He posts every. Yes. You know, was it? Uh, if you shoot 65, 67, 63, yeah. 60, uh, you've no, you haven't made one Monday qualifying. You didn't get through one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you watch B Hill, Meg? I'd be interested in what Meg's thought of what Easinger had to say about the. Or the way that Isinger said what he said about the European Tour, because does that transfer into the the women's game? I mean, how is the the LET viewed by those who play at a higher level, if you like? You'd probably have to ask that to people who play on the LPGA, I suppose. Um, but I think because I would be more inclined to to be against what Azinger said when it comes to the men's game. I think there is more of a gulf between the LET and the LPGA simply mm. because of the kind of the number of tournaments that there's been over the past few years. It's kind of inevitable that that gap's going to increase. But at the same time, I know, you know, I know a few LET girls who have made Solheim teams in the past and kind of been made to feel inferior by by kind of players who are only on the LPGA. Um, but, you know, then you look at something like the Solheim Cup and you've got you've got Europe coming out on top. But then again, a lot of those European girls play on the LPGA. So it's, it's kind of a bit of a difficult one with the women's game. But the way Azinger said what he said, I was not okay with. Not so much what he said, but the way he said it was yeah. was, was not okay. Yeah, there was a, sne- a sneering aspect to what he said, wasn't there? Well, I, I wonder if he... Uh, my theory on Azinger is he, he's, a, he's a bit of a lazy sod. He doesn't do much prep for it. For, and he's on camera a lot and he's on mic a lot. And, you know, you got to just fill the airtime. He's kind of, I think he just said the first thing that came into his head. I mean, he's been very apologetic. I mean, I don't know if you... Well, you don't get the American feed over there, but, I mean, he was he was pretty apologetic all week... Uh, uh, on you know because obviously the the European guys are doing pretty well. Yeah, did you watch much of Bay Hill, Meg? Yeah, I watched a fair bit of it. I didn't see the end because that was when I'd landed in South Africa, so yeah. it's it was too late. But I watched quite a bit of it. It was uh, it was quite fascinating watching those scores go from being you know half the field under par to four players under par or whatever it was at well, the end. Well, I, th- I think one sh- one score under, uh, one score in the 60s over the whole weekend, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, the, uh, you can mediate, Med, Huggy and I, uh, Meg, Huggy and I had a, had an <laughs> argument here. Uh, I, I thought it was all pretty entertaining. That's the real reason. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, mar- <laughs> it's, ma- it's marriage counselling. Uh, 
The uh, I thought I was pretty entertained by it all, and Huggy thought it was rubbish. Uh, what what did, you know, when golf courses are that hard, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Entertaining or crap? I think it's entertaining. I wouldn't go as far far as to say it's crap, but I think I saw somebody on Twitter say something like, "If if it was like that every week, eventually we'd find that boring too," which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but but I just like the. I like the kind of shock value of it to kind of have that in the midst of all these tournaments where if you don't shoot 66, then you're going backwards. I, I love the kind of watching them have to deal with something that's difficult or something that they can't get their heads around. The uh, Huggy, explain to me uh, again, Meg, uh, not Huggy. I, I'll, I'll, I'll say, Huggy, well, why is that crap? And Huggy then has to explain to me. So well, expl- I'm not, I, I think to say it was crap is slightly misrepresenting my view, but <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me put it in terms that will, let me put it in terms that will resonate with you, Lawrence. Yeah. Um, just imagine it, go back, get, cast your mind back to the 1967 European Cup final in yeah. Lisbon. Yeah. Which was played by between two teams with very contrasting styles. One, your team, Celtic, which was brilliant attacking team, great fun to watch, played against Inter Milan, who were very defensive and very boring to watch. Defensive golf is just as boring as defensive football in my mind, and that's what we were watching last week at Bay Hill. It was there was too much. There wasn't anybody going for shots. I mean, it was all very much playing safe. Yeah, but or it's. Trying to play safe. It's not defensive golf. Like, this is where I have, I don't know, I think you can look at it two ways because aggressive golf isn't necessarily going at every pin. It's no, no. being aggressive to, to the I'm target that you pick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that, well, for instance, Huggy, uh, Tyrrell Hatton's six iron, I think, I don't know, maybe six or seven iron to the last uh, on Sunday afternoon. I mean, he wasn't going for the pin, but I mean, he hit it to the, you're right, Meg, I mean, aggressively going to the target you picked. What a shot he hit. You know, twenty feet left of the hole, uh, five or six feet, just on that that upslope at the back of the green. Um, I'll tell you what is interesting. One interesting part of it is if you can, and this is a Peter Costas phrase, is that, and he was using it to describe how Rory should play Augusta. He said that he should, Rory to play Augusta better than he has done in the past. Rory should be making aggressive swings to more conservative targets. Which is exactly what Hatton did in the last hole. I would have thought. Yeah, what does that? What does that mean, Meg? Like aggressive swings what? to uh, again for a kind of lay person like me. How would you? How would you describe that? So I'd say if you know if you've got a wind hard off the left and the flags on the right hand side of the green, you're aiming. I don't know. It depends on your shot shape, but you you could be aiming at the left edge of the green or even further left than that. But you can't bail out of that shot just because it's not at the pin. So you've got to, you know, a hundred percent commit to that target, and that, in effect, is just as hard as hitting, hitting a shot to the flag. I suppose you've got more margin for error, but in terms of the shot that you're trying to hit, you're still trying to do the same thing. Uh, what about this? The one thing I thought watching it is, uh, guys. Guys couldn't. Sometimes guys couldn't keep the ball in the green, no matter where they hit it. Uh, you know, at some some of the holes they would have to land it, you know, fifteen, ten, fifteen yards short, and yet the ball would still still run through. 
uh, to me that's just unfair because you don't have any chance whatsoever. I, 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 the golf courses like that are got. Does that ever get inside your head? Like really bug you? I mean, our, our pal Ogilvy talk, talks about this. You know, maybe he thought about that stuff too much. I mean, I, do, do you think about it too much? Does it get, get inside your head, or are you are you able to just kind of say, okay, it is what it is. I just have to deal with it. I think it probably depends how you're playing and how you're scoring. Like I remember we played somewhere a couple of years ago. It's a great golf course, but this particular day or this particular year, they'd rebuilt the greens and they hadn't quite bedded in properly. And the sprinkler system had like malfunctioned the night before. And then you've got 25 mile an hour winds and really hot temperatures and you're playing late afternoon. And you just, you know, you just get to the point where you're like, where are you supposed to hit the ball? And when it gets like that and you know you're hitting good shots and they're not finishing where they should, it can get very frustrating. But I think like what Jeff Ogilvy was saying, because I found that quite interesting, was it depends how a course is designed to be played. You know, somewhere like Bay Hill, the scoring was really high, but not necessarily because that's the way Bay Bay Hill should play. You know, they've they've obviously got the rough up and the greens have got firm and fast to the point where it's almost too hard. Whereas you take a course like Carnoustie or something and you throw in the unpredictable Scottish weather and anything can happen, but that's Lynx golf and that's kind of the way that it plays. So it's sort of like, you know, you can you can find your way around a course like that because you know that that's the way it's been designed. Whereas somewhere like Bay Hill isn't maybe so much like that. I, I, I can put yourself in, on on there on Sunday afternoon. Would, would it have driven you crazy, or would you again? I, I suppose it's largely how you're playing. But would, you know, theoretically, would it have driven you crazy, or would you have really enjoyed it? I think I would have enjoyed it personally. I'd still rather play something like that than something where you know you have to shoot sixty four to win. Because I like the, I kind of like the knowing that everybody else is struggling and everybody else is having to deal with, you know, the bad breaks or the kind of the bogeys or not being able to keep it on the green, knowing that everybody else is having to grind away. I like that element to golf because I don't think enough courses test that. The uh, We're lucky we've got a professional golfer on the podcast. Uh, what percentage of the field is, was that driving crazy on Sunday? Guessing. Uh... 80% maybe more I think so because if especially if you're not right at the top if you're not in the top like three or four players you know you've got to shoot something probably three under four under five under to win and if you know that that's not on then it just it becomes not that enjoyable I suppose um here Huggy do you know Terrell Hatton much yeah well, I've uh, interviewed him a few times yeah what was he like yeah. Spoke to his father as well. What is he like? <clears throat> um, he's actually uh, he's he's able to make fun of himself um, when he if he distances himself a bit from actually being on the course. Um, he he just laughs at himself a bit because he knows exactly what he's like. You know, with this stomping around and throwing the clubs and histrionics and all that, whatever you want to call it. Um, I quite enjoy him. I mean, he's he's slightly different. Um, his mind clearly works in a way that. Mine doesn't, but uh, that's good. I think. Um, yeah, I think there's there's far more good about him than bad. I mean, I think um, 
he's I've always quite enjoyed talking to him, and he's and he's good fun. But uh, you know, some of the stuff he gets, he's obviously not doing himself any good on the course, um, or hasn't until fairly recently. I mean, he seemed to handle it. All the stuff we've just been talking about, he handled it pretty well at Bay Hill to, to win the tournament. Um, but yeah, he's, he's all right. I think uh, I think he seems quite popular with his peers. They, I think they quite enjoy him. They get a laugh with him, and and again, he he's able to laugh along with them. So that's a good quality, I think. Uh, Fairty said this great thing. He said that Tyrrell's nice to everybody but himself, which I yeah. thought was it was a great turn Mon- of Monty. Thing. Monty was like that as well. Mon- Monty was self-destructive. Um, for much of his career, and certainly a few high-profile occasions, Congressional '97 being the one that always sticks in my head, where Monty was clearly the best player that week and, and didn't win um, simply because of his temperament. Yeah, but what's it like playing with uh, playing with guys like that or g- girls like that? Sorry, the uh, and guys like that, I guess. Uh, is it annoying? You know, people who are constantly commentating and you know fidgeting and banging and uh, does that bother you or um I, to be honest we probably get it more in pro-ams it tends to be more the, the kind of amateurs who desperately want to be better than they are like not that we're not all like that but they tend to do stuff like that more i mean i find Tyrrell Hatton incredibly entertaining yeah. to kind of watch but if that one where he says he asks his caddy if he's ever seen a worse shot than that, and then he's like, "No, answer the question." I think that's brilliant. Yeah, he's so uh, British, isn't he? Uh, yes, it was uh, some player though, isn't he? Oh my goodness! What I mean, I thought he was. Yeah, he's, tell you what, Lawrence, we're talking about caddies. I mean, he's got a good man on his back. Uh, now, has Mick, the, yeah. yeah. From Mick Donaghy, who's from Glasgow. I mean, he he won't take any of Terrell's nonsense, and it's probably exactly what he needs. Uh, actually, I, well, I, with the, I talk about the wee guy a little bit on this. His big, he's all constantly commentating, and I always tell him to shut up. And all. what were you like as a you know as a junior college player? Were you always pretty calm, or I mean, were you, you were never a club chucker, were you, or were you? I don't think I have been, no. I've always been pretty calm. Thing is, I, as you might guess from the way I write, I tend to keep it in a bit more, which, uh-huh. to be honest, it, that can be more destructive than throwing a club. Like, you know, you might not see it on TV, but if you're holding on to something three, four holes later, then that's not great either. Um, but I've always been, I think I've always been pretty level-headed. Um I say now, let's wait until I get on TV a bit more, and then yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to try and keep it that way. Now I've said it. The uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it drives me insane. I, I, I don't like. You play golf with Huggy, and Huggy's a bit of a club chucker. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I see Meg. The last time that I, Huggy was beat me, I think he had a putt to go to win seven and six, and I was kicking my bag around and dropping my bag to try and put them off. Uh, anyway, I, I'm a, I've always been a bit of a club chucker. Here, uh, Players' Championship this week, Mike. I, I don't know how much... Well, I'm guessing it'll be on TV in uh, in uh, South Africa. Uh, again, is that a tournament you like, look forward to, or, you know, take it or leave it? I guess it's on, and you're a golf fanatic, so you'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll... I'll watch it and I like it because it's got such a good field. I think anytime you got, you know, it's hard not to watch the best players in the world. I kind of, I, I like watching my favorite tournaments to watch are courses where I've, that I've played myself and I haven't, I've 
into Sawgrass, but I haven't played it. We um we were playing a college tournament nearby, so we went you know we went out to Seventeenth just to kind of have a look round. And there's this group of amateurs, you know, with like the beers hanging off the cart and all the rest of it. And um, <laughs> one of them hits this shot that barely gets off the ground, but just about gets above the water, hits the wooden slats at the front of the water, bounces up, goes straight in the hole. And we're like, what have we just seen? We've just seen someone get a hole in one on the 17th. At Unbelievable. In, in the most amateur way possible, yeah. The uh, did you see? There's a video kicking around on uh, on Twitter today. Uh, there's another island out there. I didn't even know there was, but there's a, another. It's way to the right, over by the 16th, I think. And somebody hit his yeah. tee shot on 17. It went on the island, the other island. <laughs> it's yeah, absolutely... I've once suggested that they should play that hole as a dog leg. <laughs> Very good. Here, actually, Meg. Uh, again, a professional opinion. Uh, is that that whole? I mean, it's, it's obviously iconic. Again, I think if I'm not misrepresent you, Huggy, you, you don't particularly like it. Uh, but as a seventy-first hole of a of a massive golf tournament, f- fair or unfair? Fair, I think. I mean, is there any hole that's unfair? I suppose like it's, it. It is what it is. So you just have to hit the shot in front of you. Um, and you know, as a fan, I suppose it creates drama, doesn't it? And if you're technically speaking, it's only like a wedge for, for most of the guys, isn't it? So you shouldn't really be missing the green with a wedge. But when you know what the consequences are, if you've got the tournament on the line, it's you know, it's asking a bigger question, which I think is a good thing. Huggy, you don't like it because you know, seventy holes have gone, seventy first hole. You know, people run up eight. I just think it kind of, I find it kind of, I'm going to sound kind of snobby and I I hold my hand up to this, but it's just so boring to watch everybody hit exactly the same shot. There's no running the ball in, there's no shaping, there's no nothing. Everybody's hitting exactly the same shot. And after a while, I mean, I really have had enough of that, you know. See, I I think, like, for me personally, this is where it would be really cool if players were actually honest in their interviews and stuff and said exactly what was going through their mind before they hit the shot because then it is asking a question just because it's not asking if you can fade it or draw it or hit it low or whatever it's Mm. asking can you stand there and hit the shot when you're feeling immense pressure and if players actually gave you that insight yeah it it reduces the pros to, to our level albeit briefly in a way, <laughs> um, you went to was it Florida International? Was it Florida International University, Meg? Yeah, which is down in Miami. All oh, right, so uh, you're, you're, it's a bit of a trek then from from there. It's a great it's a great course. Uh, did you walk the course, Meg, or did you just go to seventeen? No, I literally just saw seventeen. Well, eighteen something to behold as well. I might just standing on that. Well, I mean, you could do it, but. Uh, Standing on that tee, trying to find that fairway on the seventy-second hole, it's a great course, Huggy, isn't it? I mean, it just is. Yeah, I I like it more than some people do. I mean, I've always been a fan of it, um, and it. Everybody says this, but it's certainly true. I mean, it, it's thrown up a whole variety of winners over the years. I mean, different stuff from Fred Funk to Greg Norman. You know, you can't get much more of a contrast than that. So I like it in that respect, but you know I'm, I'm not a fan of the the circus that is the 17th. However, the the rest of the course, I think is. I mean, the last hole 
is uh, I like it. You know, I'm not a big fan of water normally, but I think it, at some point in every round, there should be a stage where in the 17th maybe falls into that category as well, where you've just got to, as Meg says, just stand there and hit the shot. It's all about execution and overcoming the psychological aspect of it. Um, I'm not, I, I don't mind that a couple of times in every round. I just don't want, the, you know, you get to this, if you take it to the nth degree, you get the, the US Open, which is all about execution and not about the, you know, the many nuanced aspects of golf that get lost when it's just all about knocking, you know, kicking your ball through the goalposts. Um, but the 18th, I think, is, I mean, everybody remembers the, the drive that Rory hit there last year. I mean, fantastic. I mean, to stand up there with, you know, knowing you need a four to win it and just blast away with a driver like he did, I mean, that, that takes a bit of guts. And uh, as I say, I think execution now and again is 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 no bad thing. The... Um... the- uh, yeah, uh, the the other thing though, uh, mate, I mean, been to the players a few times. I, I have never seen so many. It's the sight of the worst drops I've ever seen in, in my whole life. The 18th. I mean, there's so many yards yards are stolen on that hole. It's just scary. Uh, guys, you know, crossing the water and then they're walking on 200, 200 yards further up the fairway to take their drop. It's uh, anyway. Um, so you, uh, it's Tuesday. Is it Tuesday evening for you, Meg? Right now, is it you're in South Africa? Tu- yeah, tu- is it Tuesday? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what what happens between now and and Thursday morning? Uh, what you got on tomorrow? Give us a kind of uh, tomorrow. Okay, so, so wh- what happens? Are you do you know who you're playing with? Do they you just get these people get foisted upon you? Uh, I mean, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> pretty no. much. Yeah, I actually don't even know what time I'm playing. Which I don't know if that says more about the tournament or more about me. Um, but they, yeah, it's like, it's supposed to be tea times pro-am and then, um, and then there'll be a function afterwards. So you kind of have to stick around and, and have dinner or whatever it is with, with your partners. So that turns into like a, a six hour, six hour run probably. Um, and then tea off at, tea times have already come out. So tea off at eight o'clock on, on Thursday morning. So that's pretty much it between now and then. The, uh, I mean, you can tell us nobody's listening. These proams. I mean, do, do you like them or, <laughs> or, or? or <laughs> I, you, hang on, let me phrase this correctly because I, I, I'm fully. It's part of your job. I mean, you know, and these people were supporting the tournaments and the sponsors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But again, as I say, there's nobody listening. I mean, is, is it torture or is it is it occasionally fun? They're just long. That's that's the problem with them. Like I know it's like you're right. Tournaments wouldn't happen without the programs, so you don't want to kind of complain too much about them. But it's just they just turn into such long days because you've probably got three or four amateurs with you, and you know they do everything they can to try and speed things along. So they try and make you pick up if you can't make a par or whatever it is. But at the same time, people have paid their money, so they want to be out there to enjoy it. Um, but it's, you know, I'm not, I don't particularly enjoy golf if it's not in full competition mode, you know, if I'm not sort of set out with a complete purpose and like it's, you know, you can, you can learn the course a bit more and you can figure out where your game is, but it's just, it's a bit draining to be honest. Uh, You don't like social golf? Not particularly, not really. I mean, I, like, I like playing with my mates if we're, you know, if we're being competitive and if, if you've got something on the line. But to me, that's nowhere near the same as a tournament. 
like I love tournaments because you you sort of just have to figure out how to score no matter what's going on and you've got all the adrenaline that comes with either being near the top of the leaderboard or you know if you've got to make the cut or whatever and you just I can't anyway I can't reproduce those feelings if it's not a tournament um do you uh what do you say it's draining is it is it just a constant conversation you have to i mean i guess you, you, you <laughs> well I, I do know some pros just walk around and never even look at their their pro-am partners but I, i'm guessing you're not one of those i mean that i guess that'd be that's pretty tiring isn't it it is yeah and i'm not i'm not the most social of people either so it's <laughs> it's just like it's the same it's the same questions that you have to answer week in week out which is what makes it a bit draining you know it's everyone's got the best intentions but there's only so many times you can sort of say you know yeah this is when I started playing golf and you know this is how much I love my job and all the rest of it like it's I think it's a great thing that golf is able to do but it's it's sort of a bit of a weird one because you you wouldn't expect you know a football a professional football team to go and kind of play a play a five-a-side against you know <laughs> against a bunch of lads from the park it's it's a bit of an odd one i don't know forfer that's huggies team meg i think forfer might be able to, <laughs> you, they wouldn't do it because they would probably lose against five lads in the park here uh, <laughs> one final question meg we'll let you go uh, so it's tuesday night what are you thinking are you thinking i i, I can i can win this I, i'm going to win this this week i mean what do you is that a stupid question? I wonder. But you, you know, deep in your heart, deep in your soul, what are you thinking? Right, you know, looking forward, you know, or are you thinking, oh my god, right, uh, or does she's one? She's probably thinking you are really rude about Fosfor. I mean, that's well, what the... she'd be thinking. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, or do, do you not think? Do people not think like that? Do professional golfers not think like that? I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a dumb question. No, I mean, I can probably only speak for myself, but. You like I do. I get excited for tournaments. Like I, I would go into pretty much every tournament thinking that I've got a chance to win and that I know I can plan my way around the golf course. And but it's sort of it's kind of mixed with a bit of you know what's going to happen. Like golf's so unpredictable that you just you got no idea. So it's kind of it's trying to manage both of those things. But you know it's it's where we want to be. So the kind of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of a tournament week, you, you're kind of itching to get started, to be honest, and just deal with whatever happens. Anyway, uh, Thursday, uh, I mean, what's the, the LET's uh, TV coverage like, uh, Meg? I mean, it get, obviously, gets, I'm, I'm based in the States. It gets nothing gets nothing here, or very seldom. Uh, does it have any deal? Well, you, you can't watch South Africa, but you could probably watch Saudi if you wanted to. there's a there's there's tv coverage of some events not all of them but most of them have got some kind of you know even if it's just the weekend um most of them have got something but not all of them
It's a wide open road. It's a wide open road. 